Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. I hope I'm with some folk that love Jesus. Hallelujah. I hope I'm with some folk that love Jesus. If you love him at home, give him glory. If you love him in the house, give him glory. Stand on your sanctified feet. Put your hands together and bless the name of your God who is worthy to be praised. So we praise him. Amen. I'm going to pray first and then we're going to read the scripture and get right into this word tonight. I'm so excited about it like I always am. So let's bow our heads and look to the Father. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus We have gathered like you commanded. We are here to hear from you. We are here to fellowship with you. We are here to worship you. We are here to be instructed uh, about you so that we can be better servants of your kingdom. Anoint me to preach, teach, pray, prophesy, do whatever is required that your name might be magnified and glorified. Build up your people tonight in their most holy faith. Allow signs, wonders, and miracles to accompany this word in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You remain standing. Hallelujah. Remain standing. I'm going to read the scripture. I got you. I got you. I got you. All right. Turn to Mark's gospel. (laughs) Turn to Mark chapter 24. I mean, chapter 9, rather, and verse 24. Mark chapter 9 and verse 24. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Donnell and Michelle Colbert are in from Nashville, Tennessee, the church, Antioch Church. Amen. We're grateful to see them as well as you. Mark 9, 24. And the Bible reads, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. We're still talking about Christ the healer. This particular installment is called faith to believe. Faith to believe. If you're you're taking notes, write that down. Faith to believe. It almost sounds uh, uh, like it's, um, you know, but, but there's a reason this message is entitled faith to believe. I'm not trying to pull a fast one on you or get you all confused, but you'll get it as we go forward. So, We started at this particular scripture that doesn't give a lot of context. So I'm going to give you the context of what happened, why this was said in Mark 9, 24. These are the words of a father who was desperate to see his son healed and set free from demonic oppression. These are the words of a man who saw his son overcome and abused by demonic powers. This man knew what the problem was. He knew that it was a demon who had power over his son, and he also knew that he had no power himself against the powers of this demon. So this is what he says, and this is what Jesus says to him as a result of what he said. Mark 9, 17 and 18. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son. He is possessed with a spirit that won't let him talk. Whenever the spirit brings on him a seizure, it throws him to the ground 
Then he foams at the mouth, he grinds his teeth, and becomes exhausted. I asked your disciples to force out the spirit, but they didn't have the power to do it. (laughs) Again, this man knew, he just told us, he just told Jesus, he knew it was a demonic spirit. There was no doubt in his mind, in this father's mind, that this was a spiritual problem that needed a spiritual answer. He knew it was a demon. Now, the Bible doesn't say he may have taken his son to the doctors. The Bible doesn't say. But we know the Bible, because it didn't say he did, that he may not have taken his son to the doctors. But the Bible tells us he does take his son to Jesus' disciples or to followers of Jesus. This is very important. This man takes his son to followers of Jesus. How many out there are followers of Jesus? That's probably everybody watching. All right. So why did this man take his son who he knew was possessed with demons or a demon? Why did he take his son to followers (laughs) or disciples of Christ? Why? Because disciples are supposed to have the same knowledge as their teacher. Disciples are supposed to have the same authority as their teacher. Followers of Christ, we are to have the same, and we do, the same anointing that Jesus has. Write that down. Write it in first person. I have the same knowledge. I have the mind of Christ. I have the anointing of Christ, and I have been given the authority (laughs) of Jesus Christ. So no wonder this man takes his son to Jesus' disciples. Now, Just to add to that story, he took his son to the nine because Peter, James, and John at this time were up Mount Hermon where Jesus was transfigured. So the closest to Jesus weren't there. Just throw that out there. Now, after this man brings his son to Jesus' disciples, he says, and they couldn't cast him out. And then in Mark 9, 19, this is what Jesus says to them. Now, before we go any further, I got to let you know, I'm going to give you a lot of information tonight. You have to pray over this, read this. You're not going to get all this right now. But you're going to need all of this. So I got to give it to you all right now. So watch this. In Matthew, excuse me, in Mark 9, 19, this is what Jesus says to them. That's what the scripture says, to them. So he's speaking to more than just the father and his son. This is what Jesus says to them, them being the people standing around and the disciples and the father and his son. Jesus says, you unbelieving generation. He doesn't speak directly to the father, the son who had demons, or the nine disciples that couldn't cast the devil out. Jesus speaks to the entire generation. He's teaching us something here. He says, you unbelieving generation, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. Jesus rebukes the entire generation. 
What is a generation? Write this down. Simple definition. A generation is a group of people born during the same time period who have the same experiences, attitudes, and opinions. I'm going to read that again. A generation is a group of people that are born during the same time period who have shared and share the same life experiences and from those experiences get the same attitudes and opinions. We live in a generation today that includes grandfathers, usually four, gener four living generations, grandfathers, fathers, their children, and grandchildren. All of these people have the same attitude. All these people born in the same time period see things almost the same way. They all interpret Roe v. Wade same way. They all see what's going on in the world same way. And they influence one another. It's called culture. The culture influences each generation. What are the prevailing thoughts? What are the prevailing attitudes of that generation? It's common. <laughs> so Jesus rebukes the generation. Jesus rebukes the age that he's currently in. Jesus is in his 30s. He's not like anybody else in his 30s, in his generation. Jesus is thinking differently than anybody else in his generation. Jesus is the son of God. He's full of faith and truth. He's the word. He thinks differently than anyone else in his generation. Let me ask you a question. Has this generation shaped your faith or has the word of God shaped your beliefs? Because what Jesus is telling us that this man, this father whose son had demons, he said, your whole generation ain't got no faith. Mm -mm -mm. The entire generation had no faith. Faith. So now let's walk through this before I get too far ahead. I am a product of my mother's faith. My mother was a Christian. She took us to church. As a result, I'm a Christian. Me and Pastor Deborah are Christians. Therefore, we raised our children to have faith in God. <laughs> so I have faith because the generation that bore me had faith. My children have faith because we, my wife, Pastor Deborah, and I have faith, so they have faith. No doubt, their children will have faith because we put faith in them. The Apostle Paul was greatly encouraged by one of his spiritual sons named Timothy. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy, after he lays hands on Timothy, He's watching Timothy's faith increase. <laughs> Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, 1.5, he says, when I call to remembrance, the unfeigned, unfeigned means sincere. Paul says, when I remember the sincere faith that's in you, I realize it was in your grandmama. Your grandmama, <laughs> Lois, put it in your mama Eunice, and your mama Eunice put it in you. You have generational faith because 
generations before you put faith in you, Timothy. And so now Paul says, I have confidence in your ability to build the kingdom because of the faith that was put in you by generations that lived before you. Psalm 78, it's a powerful psalm. I recommend you read it all when you get home. But Psalm 78 was written to remind us of the importance of passing our faith on to the next generation. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Picking up at verse number four of Psalm 78, it reads, We will not hide from them, their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. We're going to continue to tell, this is what he's saying, we're going to continue to tell our children and our children's children what God has done. So they know how to praise God for real. Oh, man, we don't want them coming to church and just hitting a note on an on a, on a organ and you just do like we used to, like we did. You don't even know why we're praising God. You're just doing what we did, but we haven't taught you why you need to praise him. Hmm. That's not sincere faith. This is why the church is in the condition that it's currently in because generations have not taught generations to follow to how to have faith in God. We taught you how to have church. So as I don't watch a lot, I hear it all the time from Christians and leaders and Christian leaders and pastors that the, the Internet is full of praise breaks. I got to calm myself down. Verse 4, Psalm 78. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. We will not hide from our children. We're going to show them from generation to generation the praises of the Lord, his strength, his wonderful works that he's done. Now you can praise him because you know what he's done. Verse 5, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. He gave us his word. He goes on to say, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Make your children understand the word of God, God's commandments, his statutes, his law, his word, his instructions, his promises. Make sure your children know where your faith comes from. Verse six, that the generation to come might know them. Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare to them their children. Hallelujah. Verse 7, that they might set their hope in God. We have a generation today that does not know how to set their hope in God. Because they haven't been taught how to set their hope in God. Let me say something I know this may seem controversial, but uh, let me say something to uh, my people. Uh, the, the new terminology is uh, black and brown people, you know. Uh, let me say something to you, even folk that may be a little orange like me during this summertime sun. Let me, let me say something to you. We, we, we have to, we need to get to the place where we stop reminding our children of just how much we've struggled. Hey. Hallelujah. You, 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 you got to remind your children more than the struggle. You got to remind them what God did for you 
during the struggle. We have to remind our children how God brought us through the struggle. Uh, you got you to gotta do more than have that, that talk. I'm not saying you don't have that talk, but we got to do more than have that talk with our children, especially our young black boys. If you're driving down the street and you get pulled over, put your hands on the steering wheel. Oh, we love to remember that and put that in our children, but we got to put the word in our children. We got to put what God can do and what God has done in each generation. Stop putting struggle in them. No wonder they're angry. Verse 6 again, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare unto them and their children that they may set their hope in God. We've got to sit down and tell our children, the world may be going crazy, this may be happening, but put your hope in God. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, and not forget the works of God. We can't forget the works of God. We have to remember the works of God. We have to rehearse the works of God. We got to keep telling people what God has done. God has done too many for you. And uh, oh, Lord, have mercy. How many times has he rescued us? How many times has he healed us? How many times has he blessed us when people put things in the way when the enemy tried to block you. Look at what God has done. He's not been able to stop what God has promised you. That's what we need to help our children remember. That's what we need to put in the next generation so they can have faith to believe. Verse 7, that they may set their hope in God and not forget his works but keep his commandments. When you remember what God has done, it's easy to obey. When we remember how good he is, it ain't hard to obey. <laughs> Verse 8, and it might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. God said, Yo, don't be like, look at your parents. The reason a lot of stuff they went through, they were stubborn and rebellious. They went to church and jumped and shouted and left and disobeyed. <laughs> he said, a generation that set not their heart aright. Don't be like that. And you need to tell your children, I lived the dumb way in church for 10 years. I finally got it right. Don't live like this. I was talking to somebody today, a bishop, in fact. He was telling me about a story. Uh, where uh, a pastor got caught uh, in some indiscretion with another woman and, and, and the, the deacon he, he was talking to from that church, he said, now, Reverend, he said, this how stupid, this, I'm just going to, this, 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 this is crazy. He said, Reverend, talk to the bishop. He said, uh, man, I didn't mind so much that the brother had, the pastor had a woman on the side, just don't use the church credit card to pay for the hotel. How insane is that? That it's okay for him to have a girlfriend, but just don't let the church pay for it. That's wrong. That's ungodly. That's not what we need to teach the next generation. We need to be saying stuff like that to these young people. When a generation is faithless, 
and unbelieving, it's because the previous generation failed to remind them of God's mighty works. So, if that generation gathers, if they go to church, if they gather to worship, they left God out of the service because they're not hearing the word and obeying the word. So, they praise him for his goodness that they never really understand. They're praising God for his goodness they do not understand because it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. How can you praise a good God and you ain't going to change? That means you don't understand his goodness. They came together, but they never talked about God's miraculous power. Instead, they came together to have a good time. You hear people say that now. We're going to go to, we're gonna have a good, we're going to church. We have a good time. Listen, listen. We're going to go to church and have a good time. That's a byproduct of being there. This ain't entertainment. This ain't the movies. This ain't a concert. <laughs> this is supposed to be the holy household of faith. Hmm. that they may set their hope in God, verse 7, and forget not his works, but keep his commandments. Every generation must place their hope in God. And particularly as the days get closer to the end, where else you going to get your hope? You, you <laughs> can't get hope from your job, you may not keep it. Can't get hope in the economy, it's all over the place. Where else you going to get hope? But in God. Mm. See, what many, I believe today, what many call advancements in science and technology are really setbacks in faith and spirituality. I mean, nowadays you ain't got to believe God for nothing. You can just ask Siri to do it for you. See, and I'm not against technology. I don't live in the woods, you know, eat, eat berries and roots and stuff. like. No, 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 no. No, I got a house. I got a cell phone. I got a computer. This is technology. What I'm saying is people are learning to depend more and more on man's ability and less and less on God's ability. We have, and this is not anything I enjoy saying, we have become a faithless and perverse generation. Just like the generation Jesus spoke to when the man had a son full of demons. See, in Matthew's account, Jesus calls that generation faithless and perverse. Write this down. You know what faithless means. You, you, you pretty much got an idea of that. They have no faith in God. But he added perverse. Perverse means twisted. Twisted. Distorted. Distorted in thinking, in the mind. Here it is. It's misinterpreting events. A perverse generation misinterprets Pride Month. 
It's, 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 a, it's, 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 it's amazing to me. You got spirit-filled, supposedly Christian churches that are gay-affirming. That's perverse. They're misinterpreting the event. We don't hate gay people. I don't hate murderers, but I don't want to live around them. They need to be saved, rehabilitated, changed, transformed. We don't just let you stay a murderer and say, because I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to love you. Which, you know, no, 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 no. We're misinterpreting events. That's what perver- a perverse generation does. Misinterpreting events. Roe versus Wade. Dividing churches. We got a letter, uh, email from uh, uh, um, the uh, Zion Police Department to watch out because people are coming around vandalizing churches as a result of Roe v. Wade. They're misinterpreting the event. That's what a perverse generation does. Things happen. You don't really know what they mean. Why? Because you don't believe the Bible. You're not being taught the Bible. So you can't interpret what's going on other than through your own feelings and what everybody else is saying. Your discernment is absent because you are absent the Holy Ghost. So you cannot properly interpret the events happening even in your life. Some of y'all still ain't properly interpreted COVID. You still haven't interpreted COVID. And, we, and then the last thing you needed to hear was monkeypox. Now you really don't know what's going on. Write this down, please. What we believe about Jesus defines and determines what we allow him to do in our lives. What we believe about Jesus determines what we let him do in our life. As simple as that is, that is right where some of you are right now. You're you're letting the world and science and uh, reinterpret for you who Jesus is. Hmm. So in Mark chapter 6, Jesus returns to his hometown where he, with all the people that grew up with him and knew him when he was a little fellow, saw him grow up, saw him become a carpenter because his father trained him to be one. So in Mark 6 and 5, the Bible reads, and he, being Jesus, could do no mighty works there, save he laid his hands on a few, on a few sick folks and healed them. And he marveled, verse 6, Jesus marveled. He was astonished. If we could say it this way, his mind was blown because of their unbelief. It would seem as if the people that watched Jesus grow up in faith would have faith in him. You didn't get it. I'll say it again. You would think the people that saw Jesus grow up in faith, that saw him get stronger in his faith, would have faith in him. But it was the opposite. And Jesus, the Bible says, marveled at their unbelief he could only, watch this, the Bible says he could only lay hands. Laying hands is the weakest form of applying the power of God to your life. 
We got to get to the place where, again, he sent his word and healed us and delivered us from our affliction. We got to get to the place where like the centurion in Matthew 8. Just speak the word only and I'll be healed. Somebody's getting healed now because of the word. You don't need me to come into your apartment and lay hands on you to be healed. When you have faith to believe, you can be healed because, again, when the will of God is not known, faith cannot be applied because our faith can only stand in the word of God. So you need to know the word gives us room to speak the word over you for you to be healed. Amen. Jesus, again, was amazed by the lack of faith of people that knew him. <laughs> people he grew up around. Some of you dealing with the same thing. People still calling you boogie. You 65, man, you ain't been boogie. <laughs> Come on, you ain't been boogie since you was a teenager. Stop letting folk call you boogie. You a man of God. No doggone boogie. <laughs> Jesus. So back to the story about the father and the son with the demons. So in Mark chapter 9, verse 20, again, they brought him to him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit. Now to him he's talking about, they brought the boy to Jesus. And when the spirit saw Jesus, the spirit freaks out one more time and attacks the boy, falls to the ground, and he's foaming at the mouth. One last time. So just the presence of Jesus makes demons tremble. Just the presence of Jesus make cancer want to leave your body. Just the presence of Jesus causes blood pressure to get right. It just the presence of Jesus balances your sugar. Just the presence of Jesus gets the fear out of your mind and the frustration out of your just the presence of Jesus. This is why we have to have faith to believe because just his presence Jesus hadn't even said anything yet. He hadn't done anything yet. But just being in the presence of Jesus, it causes the demons in and around you to begin to submit. So, Jesus asked the father of the son, how long? Now, stay with me now. You got to hear this real good. Jesus asked the father, of the son, how long has this boy been in this condition? How long has this been going on in this boy's life? And the father doesn't answer that question. He only tells Jesus what happens to the boy when demons take over. He don't answer that question. <laughs> Verse 22, and oftentimes it casts him into the fire. Jesus didn't ask you that. He said, how long? But he says, oftentimes it casts him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, somebody say that with me. If thou can do anything, say it again. If thou can do anything, say it again. If thou can do anything, this man is asking Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Write those words down. If you can do anything, Jesus. Have compassion on us and help us. He doesn't answer Jesus' question concerning how long the boy has been in that condition. 
but he puts his request out there. If you can do anything, have compassion and help us. Verse 23, watch what Jesus' reply is. Then Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Now watch this. Catch this revelation. The father asked Jesus if he could do anything. Then Jesus asked him, can you believe anything? The father asked Jesus if you can do anything. And then Jesus says, can you believe anything? <laughs> Why is that significant? Why is that important? Why must we not forget? miss that? Why must we not overlook that? Because it seemed easy enough for the father to recognize there was a demon in his son. It was easy for the father to recognize his son had a bad spirit in him. But he couldn't recognize the spirit of God in Jesus. Selah. He can recognize the demon in his son, but he couldn't recognize God in Jesus. We got people like that in the church. I remember years ago, I talked to a young preacher. He said, Reverend, he said, I go places, I go looking, I go to church, I go, I, I go to services, I go looking for the devil. I said, man, I go to church looking for God. Why, why are you looking for demons? Why are you looking, well, what's wrong? You're looking for the wrong thing. I'm looking for God. I'm looking for his power, his love, his grace, his mercy. That's what I need. I don't need another demon. This man, this father, knew his son had a demon, but he comes in front of the son of God and don't recognize God is love. If you can do anything, what you mean? If he can do anything, what you mean have compassion? You're talking to Jesus. You don't have a revelation of who Jesus is but you want him to do something for you. Hmm. We're talking about faith to believe. <laughs> Jesus said, are you able to believe anything? You want me to do anything? Can you believe anything? So, Jesus simply asked the man, the father, if he could believe. I want to ask everybody that hears this message and those of you that are in here. Is it hard for you to believe Jesus? Is it hard for you to believe Jesus can do anything? Hmm. In Numbers chapter 12, you don't have to turn there. This is the story and time during Israel's history when Moses had brought Israel out of Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. And Aaron and Miriam, Moses' brother and sister, they murmur against Moses. God ain't, you ain't the only one God talked to and this and that. And God heard it, came down, got mad, make a long story short. He struck Miriam with leprosy. When Aaron saw it, he screamed, oh, my God, Mo. I'm paraphrasing. 
Moses looks over to his sister Miriam, who's been struck with leprosy, and this is the simple prayer he prayed. Oh, God, heal her, please. That's all he said. Oh, God, heal her, please. Obviously, Moses knew God heals. He didn't say, oh, God, what are we going to do? No. Oh, God, reverse her condition. I pray tonight in the name of Jesus with all these crutches and canes standing here that God reverse your situation right now. Please reverse their situation, please. Now, why did Moses use the word please? Because the word please means do it because you can. Please means want to do it. I know you can do it. I want you to want to do it. I'm asking God, because I know he can, I'm asking him to want to heal you. I'm asking you to know that he already wants to heal you. So that you can get the faith to believe you will be healed. You see, obviously the father understood spiritual things because he knew his son had a demon. He knew it was a demon. He didn't need, he didn't need medication. He didn't need any medication. He needed deliverance. So the father had an understanding, a knowing about spiritual things, but he needed to find faith to believe more deeply and completely. Woo! That's what some of you need. It's not that you don't believe in Jesus. It's not that you don't believe in Holy Spirit, but you need more faith. You need more knowledge so you can believe more deeply and more completely. Because obviously this father whose son had a demon needed more knowledge. He needed to believe more completely. Because if you can believe in demons, surely you can believe in the power of Jesus. You got witches and warlocks and root workers that believe more in that than they do the power of God. But when you read the Bible, every witch, warlock, singleman, anybody that practices witchcraft, when they come in contact with a real believer, with a bona fide, oh, Bob. A bona fide spirit-filled believer, they have to back up because the power in the believer far exceeds the power of every witch doctor, Sangamon, every every soothsayer. But you gotta believe it. Even in the <laughs> Christian church, dare I say especially in America. There are many saints who believe Jesus saves, but not that he heals. Isn't that something? There are many believers, church-going folk, in America in particular, that believe Jesus saves, but they don't believe he heals. They need to believe more deeply and completely. Don't let somebody, talk. I'm telling you, I know the devil will resist the word. Don't let nobody talk you out of 
Jesus healing you. Don't let anybody talk you out of the fact that Jesus Christ heals the sick and raises the dead. And Hebrews 13, 8 says, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This didn't pass away. Folk, oh God, all these cessationists. All miracles passed away when the word, when the word was complete. Yeah, that's wrong. It's off. That's demons that got in people's minds to explain away the power of God. That's why generations don't believe in it because they're going to these Bible colleges that don't even teach the Bible. They don't believe the Bible. You got to be careful when you send your child to Bible school. You think they're going to come back full of the Holy Ghost and power? Hmm. Saints don't even believe Jesus heals, but you believe you, he saves. So you, are, you got a limited Jesus? So you don't have faith to be healed. So this father believed in demon power, but not Jesus power. If you can do anything for it, at least just have compassion for it. Just help us do something. So the question is, do you, do we have faith in God? Really, ask yourself. Ask God to answer you if you think you're going to lie to yourself. Galatians 5, 6. Faith works by love. The word works there means activated. Faith in God is activated by the love of God. You got to know God loves you. And then you need to know and be confident that you love him. If your faith is going to be active or activated or work, if you don't think God loves you enough to heal you, you won't get healed. If you don't think God loves you enough to bless you, you won't get blessed. I mean, you, you know, I think it was the yeah, 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 yeah. I was reading and, you know, and these are the last days and we need we need the word we need to hold on to the word. So I was reading an article about the challenges in the Southern Baptist uh, convention of Southern Baptist denomination and one of the big statements and they were proud to say this they're proud to announce this to the world and to all Southern Baptists that they denounce the prosperity gospel well let me just tell you I ain't trying to be poor and and I didn't I didn't I didn't create language but my understanding of the English language as limited as it may be is the opposite of poverty is prosperity <laughs> and, and Jesus came uh, to, to give good news to the poor. And, and good news to the poor is that you can't afford gas. Good news to the poor is, oh, you're going to get enough money in your pocket to pay for the gas and the milk and the groceries and your health care. That's, that's good news. So, so if, you don't, if you denounce prosperity, I don't. I, I don't denounce prosperity. Let it be known. I do not denounce prosperity. I want you to prosper, you to prosper, you to prosper, you to prosper, you watching, I want you to prosper. I want you to have enough to take care of your family and your children and even in there. I want you to prosper. And I want you to have faith for it, regardless who's, a, who's dropping their faith in it. Faith works by love. God loves me. He didn't want me sick, poor, broke, confused. He loves me. 
When he created Adam, he didn't create Adam and give him a crutch and say, man, just hobble around. I love you. Just hobble around on that. He didn't create Adam and put only one tree in the garden. He put many, so many trees, he couldn't even eat all of them. That's abundance. It's prosperity. Are you kidding me? People don't believe the Bible anymore. Do you believe God can do absolutely anything? Really? Do you now? <laughs> is there anything, let be honest with yourself, is there anything you doubt God will do for you? Is there anything you doubt God will do for you? Because if there is, we don't have enough or excuse me, we don't know enough about the love of God, and therefore we lack faith to believe. If you believe there's something God won't do for you, then you don't know enough about his love for you. And if you don't know enough about his love and you doubt, you lack the faith to believe. You have to, we have to absolutely believe we are the apple of his eye. God love him some you. The scripture says, if he gave his only son, how will he not with him freely give us all things? There's nothing more important than Jesus. So go ahead and be blessed and get your healing. <laughs> but if you're able to place your total confidence in God, then all things are possible for people who believe God can do anything. In Matthew 9, 24, in the Bible says, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. <laughs> Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, tears in his eyes, crying, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. No wonder the man breaks down in tears. Once he finds out his son's healing doesn't depend on Jesus' ability, but it depends on his belief in Jesus' ability. You didn't hear that. He cried when he found out, oh, it's not up to you. It's up to my belief. Oh, God can do anything, but I just got to believe. Oh, my God. Now, watch this now. This is why Jesus asked the father, how long has he been like this? In other words, read between the lines. Here it is. How long have you known you needed more faith and did nothing about it? How long you been like this? He been, he been like this this long, you ain't never got no more faith? He been like this all these years and you, you never built your faith up. You just kept asking other people and complaining about it. You never went to the scriptures. How long has you let your son be like this? Oh, so your father didn't put any faith in you. So you didn't put any faith in your son. That's why the devil got him. 
And you never realized your father didn't put enough faith in you. So you never got any more. So you never put any in your son. No wonder the devil got your, these demons got your boy. Because you don't realize you ain't got enough faith. You didn't realize your daddy didn't give you no faith. Didn't put no faith in you. No wonder Jesus said, you faithless and perverse generation. Ain't none of y'all got no faith because your parents didn't put no faith in you and their parents didn't put no faith in them. And that's why we got all these demons attacking folks and folks shooting each other. And you want to have sit-ins and marches and you want to sit down with politicians. It's faith. Can't counsel devils out. They have to be cast out. But now, I heard something akin to this. I could be wrong. Look it up. But now they're passing laws that you can't do reverse therapy on homosexuals and tell them, no, you're really a man. Come on, bro. It's against the law. You can't, we can't, you can't. They're, they're passing laws so we can't cast devils out. It's against the law. When you see a demon transform a person, leave him alone. This is, what they're the, this is what the generation we're living in is literally saying. And some of us are believing it. You ain't saying nothing when you see the devil acting up. So after Jesus, Jesus, after Jesus cast the demon out and heals the boy, they come into the house. They come into a house, and it's private. And Jesus is there with his disciples. And the disciples ask Jesus privately, why, why, why couldn't we cast the demon out? And Jesus says in Mark 9, 29, this kind, somebody say this kind. Jesus said this kind comes only out by prayer and fasting. In other words, kind <laughs> means class. It's a different, demons come in classes and levels and ranks. See, we don't know this stuff anymore. We don't talk about these things. We don't learn these things anymore. You think you're dealing with the same devil that everybody else dealt with? Today. No, 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 though. They come in classes and ranks with le different levels and abilities and strengths. That's why we need to fast and pray. Say amen. You don't know what kind of demon you're going to run into next week. Holy Ghost will tell you, fast, pray, get ready. You better not go get no Twinkies and cupcakes. They don't even make Twinkies anymore, do they? <laughs> they sure said it, didn't they? They said it so quick. <laughs> I love God. Jesus said, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. All demons are not the same. Some have more power and more resilience than others, which means sometimes you can cast the devil out in one day. Someday, sometimes it may take three days of constant prayer and deliverance to get some devils out. In Matthew 25, 45, Jesus tells us how demonic spirits, when they're cast out, they go around looking for dry places. When they don't find one, they come back to the house and, that they were cast out of and they find it clean and swept. And the Bible says they go get demons stronger than themselves. They go get demons stronger. Than the, 
ones that were already there. And Jesus said, and the last condition of the person is worse than the first condition. <clears throat> that means there are devils stronger than the one you might be dealing with. Hmm. James chapter 2, verse 19. James, my namesake, says, Thou believest there's one God? That's all good. The devils believe and tremble. In other words, believing there's one God isn't enough. It's not enough to have faith to believe for signs, wonders, miracles, and healing. It's not enough just as I believe in the man upstairs. So you can tell right then that person ain't got no relationship with God. Upstairs, the man upstairs. We need to eat a soup. <laughs> I believe in the man upstairs. You would never call God your creator that you have a covenant relationship, the man upstairs. Yeah. See, write this down. Faith is more than knowledge of God. Write that down. Faith is more than knowledge of God or knowledge about God. It really is. That's why you shouldn't send your child to Bible college and think they're going to teach him about, they're going to know God when they come back. <laughs> no. Doesn't work like that. Faith is more than knowledge of God. Demons are aware of God's existence, but they have no relationship with God. Devils believe, but they don't love God. Devils believe, but they're disobedient, selfish, rebellious. rebellious. They have no love for God. Knowledge of God doesn't produce faith in God. James 2.20. But wilt thou know, or don't you know, O man, faith without works or corresponding action is dead. Jesus said, if you love me, do what I say. Do something that proves you love me. Faith that does nothing is dead. Faith that doesn't respond with love to God is dead. Faith that keeps you disobedient or a disobedient faith is not love. It's useless. You know, I, I often use examples, metaphors, and types of being in the Army when I was in the Army 40 years ago. Uh, you, there are ranks. There, there's rank. E1, on up, so on and so forth. Officers. Uh, you're not going to stay in the Army if you disobey everybody above you. You're not going to stay. They're going to put you out, which means you lose all your benefits of being in the army. It's no different in the kingdom. If you stay disobedient, you're not going to get no benefits out of being in the kingdom. How are you going to be in the kingdom and never do anything the king say? That's what demons do. And they're not in the kingdom. They don't want to be in the kingdom. They can't get in the kingdom. That's why Paul said... Fornicators, adulterers, he lists the people. You will not have part in the kingdom of God. You ain't in it right now or ever unless you repent. 
So Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. <laughs> For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, and you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place. It shall remove and nothing shall be impossible for you. Deuteronomy 32, 16 through 18. They provoked him to jealousy, him being God, with strange gods. This generation is provoking God. America is provoking God, claiming to be a Christian nation. Churches all over the place, mega churches, big churches, preaching everywhere, but are provoking God to jealousy with strange gods. Also with abominations. You know, uh, how do I want to say this? There's some preachers, God bless preachers, that are literally preaching that homosexuality is no big, no different than any other little, any other sin. It's just, it's just a sin like any other sin. <laughs> That's wrong. God said it's an abomination. An abomination is different. It's another level. In fact, abominations are the highest levels of offense towards God. An abomination is so bad, it means detestable. It means repulsive. It means repugnant. It means God can't stand it. He don't even want to think about it. It's an abomination. It's the difference between, it's the difference between not taking the garbage out and you smell the garbage, then your whole house full of garbage. Your whole house full of garbage, that's an abomination. It makes people throw up. They can't, people can't stomach it. Can't, that's what an abomination is. It's something God can't stomach. And, and we're letting people tell us during this month of June to be proud about abominations. Let's celebrate the abominations. We're provoking God, y'all. Make no mistake about it. You think you're going to let God, you think God's going to be okay with people parading sin in his face? Let's keep reading. Verse 16, Deuteronomy 32. They provoked him, being God, to jealousy with strange gods. These, you got folk worshiping gods. You, don't, you never even heard of some of these gods. They'd have made him up with abominations and provoked him to anger. Verse 17, they sacrificed to devils. They sacrificed. No wonder you can't cast devils out. You sacrificing to them. No wonder they all around your house, in your family. In the, you're sacrificing to them. They sacrificed unto idols, not to God. You don't worship God, you don't serve God, you don't give God any of your time, your talent, or your treasure. You're not worshiping him at all. To gods whom they knew not, to new gods. This is in the Old Testament. New gods. 
New gods. We got new gods out here. Mm-hmm. He says that came up newly. You just popped up. Now you a god. Well, that shouldn't surprise you. Folk popping up, they apostle. They pop up, they pastor. They pop up. I think today I'll be a man. Tomorrow I'll be a woman. They just popping up. That's why, come on, this is what's happening. The come up newly, who your fathers feared not. Don't let your children serve gods you don't know nothing about. Ask your children questions. What does that word mean? What's that term? What's on that hat? What's that symbol? What's that ring? Who gave you that ring? Where you been? It's new gods. Demons. No wonder you can't get your children to obey. That's why you scared of your own grandchildren. He, he just learned how to walk and you scared of him. I got to laugh. It ain't funny. I just. They sacrificed unto devils to not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came up newly who your fathers didn't even know. We don't know what. What is that? What? 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 Verse 18 of the rock that begot them. Thou art unmindful. You you forgot God. You, You let your children forget God. Thou hast forgotten God that formed thee. Come on now. Verse 19. And when God saw it, he abhorred them. That means he got sick and turned away. I can't look at y'all. Some of us as parents, well, I ain't never said nothing to my parents. Or my mama said to me, I can't even look. Jimmy, I can't look at you. What you doing? I didn't raise you like that. I can't get out of my house. My mama literally said that to me more than once. Put me out more than once. She abhorred me. My presence sickened her. I didn't look like what she taught me. He abhorred them because they provoked his sons and his daughters. <laughs> Verse 20. And he said, I will hide my face. God said, I'm going to hide my face. I can't look at you. I'm going to remove my favor from them. I will see what their end will be. God said, I'm going to see. Don't miss this. Understand how this works. Jesus said, I'm going to see. Or God said, I'm going to see what your end is going to be. You know what that means? I'm going to leave you alone, take my hands off you and see what happens to you. That's what's happening in America right now. God is taking his hands off to see what becomes of us that are so smart, got so much money. America, the great America, this America, and we're abandoning God. So I'm going to see what you, I'm going to see what become of you. Let me see what you, let's see, let me see what you come up with. Let me see how you, all this turns out. Do you want that in your home? God just take his hand off your home because you're not telling your children and your grandchildren that are eating your food and soaking up your heat and air condition and you won't tell them about God and you're taking your hands off of them and God is taking his hands off of you. So you have no faith to believe. So the demons come and throw your son and daughter in the gang and throw her into this and throw her into that and mess with her identity and you don't know what to do. You know it's a demon, but you don't know how to go to God with faith. So he goes on to say, I will see what their end shall be, for they are froward. That means twisted and distorted. You're distorted. This ain't what you were taught in Sunday school, YPWW, children's church. You ain't been taught this. What you doing? 
He says, you're a froward generation. Children in whom is no faith. This is why we need faith. And faith needs to be transferred generation after generation. You thought going to church was cute. You thought it was a style show. You came in late every time down the aisle. I ain't going to walk like you because I'm a man. You, you see it? You, you see it in, the, in your image? You come and look at you. Oh, You thought singing in the choir was cute. You thought ushering. Oh, I'm sorry. For some people, you thought ushering was cute. You didn't realize this is service to your creator that made you, that has a future and a hope for you. You lost faith somewhere down the road. Oh, yes, God. Pastor, you lost faith somewhere along your journey. You stopped believing God. You stopped trying to please God and you start trying to please people. Somewhere down the line, you forgot about elevating the people and you wanted to be elevated in your denomination. And somewhere down the line, you realize your faith got weak. And now you never even had enough faith to pass on to your children. And now they're grown. And they don't want to have anything to do with your God. We need to turn this around. Everyone stand on your feet, please. I'm done. We can no longer. We can no longer allow. The truth to be misinterpreted and distorted in the household of faith. We must straighten out everything that's crooked and make straight paths for our Savior's feet. Ishtar. We must lift up our heads, lift up the gates, raise up holy hands so the King of glory can come in. Lift your hands, please. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord of hosts is his name. We invite you back into this holy temple that you saved some time ago. We invite you back into this temple, our own body, Holy Spirit. We just finished celebrating Pentecost. We need a new, fresh move of the Spirit. Enter into this temple. Come in with a mighty rushing wind. Blow out all controversy. Blow out all the thoughts and the ideas that are contrary to your word, O oh God. 
and come in the king of glory and bring your glorious power and transform our heads, our hearts, our bodies, our minds. Heal us everywhere we're sick. From the head, the whole head is sick and twisted. Heal us, O oh God, in the name of your son and cause your people to stand in faith. You said in your word in Luke chapter 18, when the son of man returns, will he find faith in the earth? I pray that faith returns, Holy Ghost, biblical faith Faith in your word, faith in your promises, faith in your commands, faith in your statutes, faith in everything you said so that we can see what you said because we believe what you said. Father, let it happen in this generation. Don't let me pass. Don't let me pass. Don't let me leave the pulpit without seeing a move of God. I beseech you like Moses' prayer. Heal the church, I pray, please. want to do it more than we would want you to do it. Heal us more than we desire to be healed. Please move by your spirit. Give your people faith to believe so we can ensure if you do tarry one more generation that that generation will indeed have faith to believe in Jesus' name. If you're not saved, the first faith you need to have, the first thing you need to believe is that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. If you believe that, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came to take away the sins of the world, and it includes all my sin. Forgive me of my sin. Heal me in my spirit. Give me a new heart. Give me a new mind. Give me a new spirit, a heart, a mind, a spirit that will serve you. I pray for your forgiveness and salvation through your name. I believe I'm a new creation because of your blood. Today, today I have faith to believe for my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we, we love to hear, we need to hear from you. Please visit us on our website. It's on the screen, cffczion.org. God bless you. We love you. One last thing. Well, let's put our hands together and thank God for his goodness, his love. How many of you really believe God loves you? Amen. Amen. Faith works by love. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.